0: The Phoenix Theatre and Arts Company's audio drama series presents *Beatrix Potter's The Tailor of Gloucester*, adapted and directed by Gina Stanton. For past episodes, upcoming events, and other information, make sure to visit our website at phoenixtheatreartsco.com. That's theatre with an R E. Without further ado, we give you *The Tailor of Gloucester*.
1: In the time of swords and periwigs, and full-skirted coats with flowered lappets, when gentlemen wore ruffles and gold-laced waistcoats of paduasoy and taffeta, there lived a tailor in Gloucester. He sat in the window of a little shop in Westgate Street, cross-legged on a table from morning till dark. All day long, while the light lasted, he sewed and snippeted, piecing out his satin and pompadour and lute string. Stuffs had strange names and were very expensive in the days of the tailor of Gloucester. But although he sewed fine silk for his neighbors, he himself was very, very poor. A little old man with spectacles, with a pinched face, old crooked fingers, and a suit of threadbare clothes. He cut his coats without waist, according to his embroidered cloth. They were very small ends and snippets that lay about
2: upon the table. Too narrow breaths for naught, except waistcoats for mice,
1: said the tailor. One bitter cold day near Christmas time, the tailor began to make a coat. A coat of cherry-colored corded silk embroidered with pansies and roses and a cream-colored satin waistcoat trimmed with gauze and green worsted chenille for the mayor of Gloucester. The tailor worked and worked and he talked to himself. He measured the silk and turned it round and round and trimmed it into shape with his shears. The table was all littered with cherry-colored
2: snippets. No breath at all and cut on the cross. It is no breath at all, scarves for mice, and ribbons for caps for mice,
1: said the tailor of Gloucester. When the snowflakes came down against the small, leaded window panes, and shut out the light, the tailor had done his day's work. All the silk and satin lay cut out upon the table. There were twelve pieces for the coat, and four pieces for the waistcoat, and there were pocket flaps, and cuffs, and buttons all in order, For the lining of the coat, there was a fine yellow taffeta, and for the buttonholes of the waistcoat, there was a cherry-colored twist. And everything was ready to sew together in the morning, all measured and sufficient, except that there was wanting just one single skein of cherry-colored twisted silk. The tailor came out of his shop at dark. He fastened the window and locked the door and took away the key. No one lived there at night but little brown mice, and they run in and out without any keys. For behind the wooden wainscots of all the old houses in Gloucester, there are little mouse staircases and secret trap doors. And the mice run from house to house through those long, narrow passages. They can run all over the town without going into the streets. But the tailor came out of his shop and shuffled home through the snow. He lived quite nearby in College Court, next the doorway to College Green. And although it was not a big house, the tailor was so poor he only rented the kitchen. He lived alone with his cat. It was called Simpkin. Now all day long, while the tailor was out at work, Simpkin kept house by herself. And she also was fond of the mice, though she gave them no satin for coats. Meow. Said the cat when the tailor opened the door.
2: Simpkin, we shall make our fortune, but I am worn to a tangle of threads. Take this coin, which is our last fourpence, and take a china pitcher. Buy a penny worth of bread, a penny worth of milk, and a penny worth of sausages.' "'And, oh, Simpkin, with our last penny of our fourpence, "'buy me a length of cherry-coloured silk. "'But do not lose the last penny of the fourpence, Simpkin, "'for I am undone and worn to a thread paper, "'for I have no more twist. "'I must have silk twist to finish the mayor's coat.'
1: "'Simpkin again said. "'But she took the coin and the pitcher and went out into the dark. "'The tailor was very tired.' He sat down by the hearth and talked to himself about that wonderful coat.
2: I shall make my fortune. I know I shall. The mayor of Gloucester is to be married on Christmas Day in the morning, and he has ordered a coat and an embroidered waistcoat to be lined with yellow taffeta, and the taffeta sufficeth. There is no more left over in snippets than will serve to make scarves for mice. Then the
1: tailor started, for suddenly, interrupting him, from the dresser at the other side of the kitchen came a number of little noises.
2: Now what can that be?
1: The tailor jumped up from his chair. The dresser was covered with crockery and pipkins, willow pattern plates and teacups and mugs. The tailor crossed the kitchen and stood quite still beside the dresser, listening and peering through his spectacles. Again, from under a teacup came those funny little noises.
2: This is very peculiar,
1: said the tailor of Gloucester, and he lifted up the teacup, which was upside down. Out stepped a little lady mouse, and she made a delicate curtsy to the tailor. Then she hopped away, "'down off the dresser and under the wainscot.' "'The tailor sat down again by the fire, "'warming his poor cold hands and mumbling to himself.
2: "'The waistcoat is cut out from peach-colored satin, tambour stitched in rosebuds and beautiful floss silk. "'Was I wise to entrust my last fourpence to Simpkin? "'One in twenty buttonholes of cherry-colored twist?'
1: "'But all at once, from the dresser, "'there came other little noises.'
2: This is passing extraordinary,
1: he cried, and turned over another teacup, which was upside down. Out stepped a little gentleman mouse, who made a bow to the tailor. And then, from all over the dresser, came a chorus of little tappings, all sounding together and answering one another, like watch beetles in an old, worm-eaten window shutter. And so the tailor turned over all the little teacups and bowls and basins, and out stepped more and more little mice, who all bowed and curtsied and bobbed before hopping away, down off the dresser and under the wainscot. The tailor sat down, close over the fire, lamenting.
2: One and twenty buttonholes of cherry-coloured silk to be finished by noon of Saturday, and this is Tuesday evening. Was it right to let loose those mice, undoubtedly the property of Simpkin, Alack, I am undone, for I have no more twist.
1: All the little mice came out again and listened to the tailor. They took notice of the pattern of that wonderful coat. They whispered to one another about the taffeta lining and about little mouse scarves. And then, all at once... They all ran away together down the passage behind the wainscot, squeaking and calling to one another as they ran from house to house, and not one mouse was left in the tailor's kitchen when Simpkin came back with the pitcher of milk. Simpkin opened the door and bounced in with an angry, like a cat that is vexed, for she hated the snow, and there was snow in her ears and snow in her collar and at the back of her neck. She put down the loaf and the sausages upon the dresser and sniffed.
2: "Sibkin, where is my silk twist?
1: But Simpkin set down the pipkin of milk upon the dresser and looked suspiciously at the teacups. She wanted her supper of fat little mice.
2: Simpkin, where is my twist?
1: But Simpkin hid a little parcel privately in the teapot and spit and growled at the tailor. And if Simpkin had been able to talk, she would have asked, "'Where is my mouse?' Alack, I am undone, the tailor of Gloucester said forlornly and went sadly to bed. All that night long, Simpkin hunted and searched through the kitchen, peeping into cupboards and under the wainscot and into the teapot where she had hidden that twist. But still, she found not a single mouse. Whenever the tailor muttered and talked in his sleep, Simpkin said, (laughs) and made strange, horrid noises as cats do at night. For the poor old tailor was very ill with a fever, tossing and turning in his four-post bed, and still in his dreams
2: he mumbled, No more twists! No
1: more twist." All that day he was ill, and the next day and the next. And what should become of the cherry-colored coat? In the tailor's shop in Westgate Street, the embroidered silk and satin lay cut out upon the table, one and twenty buttonholes, And who should come and sew them, when the window was barred and the door was fast locked? But that does not hinder the little brown mice. They run in and out without any keys through all the old houses in Gloucester. Out of doors, the market folks went trudging through the snow to buy their geese and turkeys and to bake their Christmas pies. But there would be no Christmas dinner for Simpkin and the poor old tailor of Gloucester. The tailor lay ill for three days and nights. And then it was Christmas Eve and very late at night. The moon climbed up over the roofs and chimneys and looked down over the gateway into College Court. There were no lights in the windows, nor any sound in the houses. All the city of Gloucester was fast asleep under the snow. And still, Simpkin wanted her mice, and she mewed as she stood beside the four-post bed. But it is in the old story that all the beasts can talk. In the night between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day in the morning, though there are very few folk that can hear them or know what it is they say. When the cathedral clock struck 12, there was an answer like an echo of the chimes and Simpkin heard it and came out of the tailor's door and wandered about in the snow. From all the roofs and gables and old wooden houses in Gloucester came a thousand merry voices singing the old Christmas rhymes, all the old songs that ever I heard of, and some that I didn't know, like Whittington's bells. First and loudest, the roosters cried out. Woof, Lady, get up and bake your pies. Oh, dilly, 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 sighed Simpkin. And now, in a nearby flat, there were lights and sounds of dancing, and cats came from over the way. Hey, diddle-diddle, the cat and the fiddle. All the cats in Gloucester, except me, said Simpkin. Under the wooden eaves, the starlings and sparrows sang of Christmas pies. The jackdaws woke up in the cathedral tower, and although it was the middle of the night, the throstles and robins sang. The air was quite full of little twittering tunes but it was all rather provoking to poor, hungry Simpkin. Meow, meow, Particularly, she was vexed with some little shrill voices from behind a wooden lattice. I think that they were bats because they always have very small voices, especially in a black frost when they talk in their sleep. They said something mysterious that sounded like,
3: Buzz, quoth the blue fly. Hmm, quoth the bee buzz and hum they cry, and so do we.
1: And Simpkin went away, shaking her ears as if she had a bee in her bonnet. From the tailor's shop in Westgate came a glow of light, and when Simpkin crept up to peep in at the window, it was full of candles. There was a snippeting of scissors and a snappeting of a thread, and little mouse voices sang loudly and gaily,
3: "'Touch a snail. The best man amongst them durst not touch her tail. "'She put out her horns like a little Kylo cow. "'Run, tailors, run, or she'll have you all even now.'"
1: Then, without a pause, the little mouse voices went on again.
3: Save my lady's oatmeal, grind my lady's flour. "'Put it in a chestnut, let it stand an hour.'" "'Meow,
1: meow, meow,' interrupted Simpkin, and she scratched at the door. But the key was under the tailor's pillow, so she could not get in. The little mice only laughed and tried another tune.
3: Three little mice sat down to spin. Kitty passed by and she peeped in. Where are you at, my fine little men, making coats for gentlemen? Shall I come in and cut off your threads? Oh no, Miss
1: Kitty, you bite off our heads.
3: <coughs>
1: Cried Simpkin.
3: Hey, little Kitty!"
1: answered the little mice.
3: Hey, little kitty, poppity pet. The merchants of London, they were scarlet, silk in the collar, and gold in the ham. So merrily marched the merchant men.
1: They clicked their thimbles to mark the time, but none of the songs pleased Simpkin. She sniffed and mewed at the door of the shop.
3: <coughs> and then I bought a pipkin and a popkin, a slipkin and a slopkin, all from farthing, and upon the kitchen dresser, meow, <coughs>
1: shouted Simpkin on the window sill, while the little mice inside sprang to their feet and all began to cry out at once in their little twittering voices. No
3: more twist! No more twist!
1: And they barred up the window shutters and shut out Simpkin. But still, through the gaps in the shutters, she could hear the click of thimbles and little mouse voices singing.
3: No more twist! No more twist!
1: Simpkin came away from the shop and went home. She found the poor old tailor sleeping peacefully in his bed, his fever broken. Then Simpkin went on tiptoe and took the little parcel of silk out of the teapot and looked at it in the moonlight. She felt quite ashamed of her badness compared with all those good little mice. When the tailor awoke in the morning, the first thing which he saw upon the patchwork quilt was a skein of cherry-colored twisted silk, and beside his bed stood a repentant Simpkin.
2: "'Alack, I am worn to a raveling, but I have my twist!' The
1: sun was shining on the snow when the tailor got up and dressed, and came out into the street with Simpkin running before him. The starlings whistled on the chimney stacks, and the throstles and robins sang, but they sang their own little noises, not the words they had sung in the night. The tailor despaired.
2: "'Alas, alack, I have my twist!' But no more strength nor time than will serve to make one single buttonhole. For this is Christmas Day in the morning. The mayor of Gloucester shall be married by noon. And where is his cherry-coloured coat? I will be
1: ruined. He unlocked the door of the little shop in Westgate Street, and Simpkin ran in, like a cat that expects something. But there was no one there. Not even one little mouse. The boards were swept clean. The little ends of the thread and the little silk snippets were all tidied away and gone from off the floor. But upon the table, oh joy, the tailor gave a shout. Oh ho <laughs> ho There, where he had left plain cuttings of silk, there lay the most beautifulest coat and embroidered satin waistcoat that ever were worn by a mayor of Gloucester or anyone else in Gloucester. There were roses and pansies upon the facings of the coat and the waistcoat was worked with poppies and cornflowers. Everything was finished, except just one single cherry-colored buttonhole. And where that buttonhole was wanting, there was pinned a scrap of paper with these words in little teeny-weeny writing. No more twist! And from then began the luck of the tailor of Gloucester. He grew quite stout, and he grew quite rich. He made the most wonderful waistcoats for all the rich merchants of Gloucester and for all the fine gentlemen of the country round. Never were seen such ruffles or such embroidered cuffs and lappets, but his buttonholes were the greatest triumph of all. The stitches of those buttonholes were so neat, so neat, I wonder how they could be stitched by an old man in spectacles, with crooked fingers and a tailor's thimble. The stitches of those buttonholes were so small, so small, they looked as if they had been made by little mice. And thus ends our tale, for now, of the Repentant Simpkin, the Good Little Mice, and the Tailor of Gloucester.
0: p Tax Audio Drama Series is a production by the Phoenix Theatre and Arts Company. This week's episode, The Tailor of Gloucester, was written by Beatrix Potter and adapted, directed, and edited by Gina Stanton. This episode features the vocal talents of Samantha Sanishin as the narrator, Sean LaTassa as the tailor, Amanda Booth as the rooster, the bats, and the mice, and Gina Stanton as Simpkin. Original P-TECH music by Brian Sanishin. For a full listing of credits, visit us at phoenixtheaterartsco.com. That's theater with an R-E. While you're there, please consider clicking the donate link. That would be delightful. Have comments or questions? Email us at phoenixtheatreartsco at gmail.com or find us on social media. A very special thank you to our Patreon subscribers with a shout out to those sitting in the box seats, Ken Shelby and Diane Stanton. We couldn't do this without you. Join us next time for Christmas Tales and Stories.